that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to the Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And just off the bat, just with some newsy stuff. Nathan, from the way Brian Hartline was talking on Wednesday evening when we got a chance to talk to him, the expectation that Emeka Ibuka, when that availability report comes out, will be on it as out in that game. And if so, what does that mean for Ohio State's wide receiver room going into this game against Purdue? So he didn't directly address Ibuka's potential absence from for at least when I was was there talking to him, and I think it was the most most of the time. I don't know if that's necessary though. The way Ryan Day was talking about it earlier this week, saying when he emphasized this is not a long term issue, I think that's his way of telegraphing to us and to fans. When you don't see him Saturday, know that it is not a long term issue. It would seem very much to be trending towards something like what Trevian Henderson did last week. And maybe worse than that, maybe it won't be a situation where he could play and they just won't let him. It sounds like it could be worse than that. But I would be very surprised if he played Saturday. It just I don't see the upside for Ohio State if he does play relative to what you have to have against Penn State just a week later, the, the Wisconsin game right after that. Those are just two big matchups that you really need him for, and I don't think you need him to beat Purdue. And so I would expect to see Xavier Johnson starting in the slot, I would imagine. I tried to ask about Brandon Innes. He did say that Innes, he likes the development they're getting there. He's coming along. Could be, he kind of emphasized maybe an opportunity at punt return for him over getting a lot of reps at slot receiver, but says that he is liking the development at slot receiver too. I think that this will probably be, as long as this game is in the balance, would be a pretty heavy Xavier Johnson game in the slot. Might be a more of a double tight uh, 12 personnel kind of game too, right? Where they would just, you know, I, I, could I see them starting G. Scott again, going with your usual outside receivers, obviously, and in playing as a balance of 12 personnel, similar to what they did last week. I could see that too. I just think Xavier is the one that you're going to see the most. He, was, he even went so far as to say, because Xavier Johnson is one of those guys who, as much as he's talked about, and he does have a role, but he doesn't really get the flourish. And and Heartline it went so far as to say, like, oh, I'm excited by what he would do if Abuka can't play. So I think they would like the opportunity to let him maybe have a game of his own. He doesn't deserve to start over Mecca Abuka every week, but he probably deserves to be featured in a real way as if he were the starting slot receiver if he can play. So that's just something I've kind of got in the back of my mind, that this might be a week that we look back on as uh, sort of the Xavier Johnson week if he gets set up. The 12 personnel stuff is interesting because we also talked with Keenan Bailey and he was talking about the benefits of G. Scott's development along with what Kate Stover's been able to do and having got, I mean, he talks like this, it's, he actually wrote this on the board over the spring when they were doing the coaches clinic. Receivers are just, I mean, tight ends are just wide receivers who can block, but he says that they can do 10 and 11 personnel stuff with both of those two guys still on the field. And that's a, pr a product of what Cade Stover's developed as a tight end, but also G. Scott's wide receiver background plus his blocking. So I do wonder 
I don't think they'll go wide with all four of those guys, but that you, I think you bring up an interesting point in the name of Market Down Monday, which we do in the offseason. What are the chances that Ohio State comes out in their first play as in 12 personnel? And we saw them do that a lot early on against Maryland. Do we see even more of that on Saturday because of Mecca Buka is out? Do you offset that by going too tight in more often? The other really newsy thing that came out of the last 24 hours as we're recording this now, Andrew Ryan Day gave one last update on Travion Henderson. Any changes, anything significant there with Travion Henderson? Should we be expecting him to play on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it seemed kind of very much like a one-week thing when we talked to him after the, let's see, what was it, the Maryland game? God, it feels like it took place forever ago. Uh, you know, it was after the Maryland game, and it, it kind of seemed like it was a one-week thing, and, and it was a re-injury risk with with whatever he's kind of ailing and, and whatever's kind of, you know, ailing him, I should say. Spoke on his radio show today, and today being Thursday as we record this, that he's doing much better this week. So I would expect to see him in the lineup. I mean, this is this just kind of feels like the progression of things. He's going to miss a week, and then he'll be back. He didn't want to have him get out there when he's not ready to play. He didn't want to get have him get out there when re-injure it. And you've got Penn State looming, and, and that's not a situation where you want to go into a big game injured and, and kind of down on the depth chart. So, yeah, it just made a lot of sense that, that you would leave him out for a week and, and kind of seems like he's going to be ready to go for Saturday. Henderson went for 98 yards and two touchdowns against Purdue as a freshman, and it's a different team and a different, not just personnel, but different coaching staff, so maybe there's no carryover there. It's just worth pointing out that he had a good game the last time they played Purdue. So that's the new stuff. Let's talk some football. Let's talk some Purdue football. Quick little trivia question for you guys. There are four football programs in the Big Ten this year who have a quarterback that was a top 100 recruit. Can you name all four? Okay, well, Hudson Card, Lake Travis High School, one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's. I think you kind of yeah. gave us the answer All right, I'm on, on the that. board. I'm on the board. Well, I was hoping you guys would at least save that one for last just to be oh, in suspense. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. Yes, Kyle McCord, J.J. McCarthy, Drew Aller, and Hudson Card. Those are the, and Hudson yeah. Card was the number 59 player, number two dual threat quarterback in the 2020 class. So he was up there around the same ranking that C.J. Stroud was. Obviously started at Texas his first few seasons, backed up Quinn Ewers. So he's got a lot of Ohio State relations here for a guy who has never played Ohio State. Played with Garrett Wilson, never, yeah. yeah, like with Garrett Wilson. I think he was their starting quarterback with Garrett Wilson for one year. Yeah, I don't think it was very long. 2018, because before that, it's Matthew Baldwin, who also was at Ohio State. So a lot of Ohio connections there. So shout to Garrett Wilson. No reason, just (laughs) because. Nathan knows why. (laughs) That's all that matters there. But Hudson Carr obviously backed up Quinn Ewers last season once Quinn Ewers spent six months in Columbus and then transferred to Texas for the 2022 season. And now he's at Purdue. For so far this season, he's 136 of 214. at 63.6% completion percentage for four. 1,491 yards, six touchdowns, and five interceptions. Nathan, Purdue, not the most explosive passing attack, and maybe that's even giving it a little too much credit, but what's the threat level that Hudson Card provides? As a guy who is, he's got the top 100 pedigree at least. You know, if this were last year's Ohio State defense, or certainly the 2021 Ohio State defense, I would say that there was more threat level. Just based on what I've seen, and you can look at those numbers, if you take those numbers that you were just rattling off a step farther, pretty pedestrian frankly i mean they're like he right now is the leader of the big 10 rag arm brigade like there's there's four good quarterbacks in the big 10 really right mccarthy mccord tagovailoa and aller 
And then there's this next group, and he's probably at the top of that group. I mean, statistically, he is just barely over Luke Altmaier. But, you know, 126.65 on a QB rating, seven yards per attempt is not that great. That's like about what Trevin Henderson is wanting to average per run. That's what he's averaging per pass attempt. Like, that's not where it's at. So, and then, but but again, the context here is, like, they've had, they had a good game against uh, Illinois, put up a bunch of points, but let's not forget that was Ryan Walters, their head coach, used to be the defensive coordinator at Illinois, so I think, you know, he probably was a little bit ahead on the scout, so to speak, that week. And I just think that this Ohio State defense, this is the best defense that, Illinois uh, Purdue has faced so far. I mean, Purdue has played a fairly tough schedule. I mean, they didn't have a one double or sorry, FCS team on their schedule. They had to, they played multiple power five guys in the non-conference. They've had a, a tougher stretch early on, but this is the best team they've played. And I, the way this Ohio state defense is playing, that seems to just gain more confidence week after week, especially in the secondary. And now you're starting to see that come together with like another little spark up front. And when those two things start working together, I think we see, frankly, we see the defense building on itself in a way that we're surprised that the offense is not yet building on itself, where there's still things are seem a little bit fractured and fra- fractured, not the right word, because I don't want to make it sound like there, there's something going on internally. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's less consistent. It's not as cohesive right now. And defensively, it seems to be really building towards that. I think this will be a tough matchup for Hudson Card versus it being a tough matchup for Ohio State. Andrew, who's this game for? And what I mean by that is every week we was like, the Western Kentucky game was like, oh, this is the chance to really see if the secondaries, you know, how they hold up. Even if it's not the most like-minded talent opponent, it's just the way they play provided that opportunity. Notre Dame was probably probably a whole a macro view at things just because that was a top 10 opponent. But then you get Maryland in here and it's like, okay, can, can we see the defensive line start to get going? How are these safeties looking? How are these linebackers? As you've tried to learn more about them, who can we learn more about from these – three groups, the defensive line, the linebackers, and the safeties and the cornerbacks going into Saturday's game? That's a good question. I don't want to say, I don't want to say anybody on the defense, like I want to say more, it's, I think the coaching staff has a bigger job than anybody else this week. That's um, exactly just because the, this is like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to disregard your ant or your prompts and I'm going to do choice no, 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 E. You, yeah, you <laughs> didn't, I'm gonna yeah, write yeah, in yeah, choice listen, E. This, there's always a chance to go other in these yeah, multiple I'm going choice questions. Other, um, so we're going to get into this with my game predictions. If you've seen the outrageous predictions on YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. But this is a game where you have to get your team ready without, you know, some offensive talent. You've got obviously the offensive side of the thing. You've got the offensive side of the ball, the problems that are there. We don't need to relitigate that because we have done that a lot. And we're going to do that eventually in the show. But you've got the offensive side of the ball. You've got, you know, the defensive side. I mean, you kind of are what you are at this point. but. You've got Penn State next week. You've got all the makings of just a sleepy, snoozer, low-energy game at Ross-Aid Stadium on Saturday at noon. It just it, it feels like this is the, the salad appetizer to the main course next Saturday. And you are you have to get your team ready to play. You know, I know Jim Tressel said this a lot where on your worst days, you have to be able to win. 
that has to be the bare minimum. That has to be the floor that on your worst days where you don't have it, you have to be able to win. And I'm not saying that they're in danger of losing. I don't think that they are in danger of losing. However, I do think they are in danger of playing pretty sloppily and not going out there and, and or going out there and not playing pretty well because again, the weather's not going to cooperate. You're you're going to be down one of your best players. It's a game where you look at and say it's Purdue. You know, I mean, Purdue doesn't really do anything well. Like, you know, Hudson Card that that seven yards per attempt, that's 81st in the country. There, you look at some of these things and go, "Wow, Ohio State should really just kind of trounce them here." And it's also, I just think that there's a lot going against you that maybe isn't on the field that you've got to get your team ready for and make sure that this game turns into the laugher that it should be on paper. You've got to make sure that this game turns into, hey, we can dominate a team that we should dominate because, you know, the Maryland game last week, that was that was a little dicey for, you know, three quarters, you know, right up until maybe the fourth quarter when Ohio start Ohio State started to pull away. Like this is a game I think where the coaching staff has really got to prove something and not prove something in the fact that like they can do the job, but prove something in the fact that you can get your team up for a game that frankly, there's not a lot to get up for. So are, but are there thing, are there football things about Purdue that makes you think that they're going to give Ohio state trouble or do you, are you just thinking that any mid tier, lower tier, big 10 team that Ohio state was playing this week they, your analysis might be similar that they're that they're just susceptible for some reason this week. Yeah, I think that they're susceptible this week. I just think that this is a tough spot. Uh, Purdue. I mean, you look at their you look at their offense. You look at their defense. They haven't really done a ton well. Um, you know, they're not throwing the ball super effectively. They're not running the ball super effectively. Um, I don't know if there's some magical third thing that they're not doing effectively, but that, <laughs> that they are doing effectively Winning. or what. They're yeah. not winning effectively. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, you, you just kind of look at this and say there's there's nothing on paper that scares you about Purdue. You know, there's nothing on paper that should scare you about Purdue. I just think that, like, this is a game that, like, every – go back and look at the last 20 years of Ohio State-Purdue games and the games that Ohio State has won but they've struggled or the games that Ohio State has lost – there has not been a game in one of those games where Ohio State doesn't have the talent advantage, where Ohio State doesn't have better players or, you know, the better numbers coming in. I just I, I just look at this game as as a tough spot where you gotta you gotta motivate your guys and you've gotta work on some stuff going into the Penn State game. You have to find out what the run game is gonna do against Penn State. There there are things. If you're gonna say that the personnel's good, that's fine. But one of the other things that you're gonna talk about, and I'm referring to the coaching staff. One of the other things that you're going to talk about is the scheme needs to change then to fit the players. Okay, well, let's see it. What is it? What's the scheme that's going to change if you're not going to change the personnel? Are you at all, though, open to them being less susceptible to the sleepwalk? Because they kind of just did that. Do you think it could be a back to Because they sort of did that in the first half against Maryland. Mm. They did sort of do that, but also, could we also just could we also just consider the fact that Maryland might be pretty decent? I think that's part of it. Maryland was in a better position talent-wise to take advantage of the fact that Ohio State was sleepwalking. And Purdue is already a lower-level college football program who was also in year one of a head coach. I don't think I call so them that, a lower level college football program. They've been winning like eight, nine games a year. Okay. Yeah. Fine. That's mid, mid, okay, middle of the big 10, middle of the pack, big 10. 
They, they, they were the Big Ten West champion last year. That's so true. That's that true. That's a true. little, a little something. I'm not giving I mean, them. It, my yeah, my pick is coming up later, so I'm not giving them a ton of credit. But let's let's not say, I I, think, let's, let's reserve lower level for the other Big Ten program I, in Indiana. I think I think winning the Big Ten West Sorry, gives you maybe like 10% more respect in my mind because it's still the Big Ten West we're talking about. But still, okay. to your point, yeah, middle of the road, Big Ten team at best who was also in year one of a first time ever head coach. And so when you see numbers like yards per play is 5.58, and when you see numbers like 5.35 yards per play on offense, Ohio State might be able to get away with some things. And I think a lot of us watching this game on Saturday, I, I, I think I agree with Andrew's point of it's more on the coaches more than it is on the players because Ohio State can get away with not being its B game. It might be able to be its C plus game and it might be it might look weird for a half, but at some point the talent is going to take over. But is that really the type of momentum you want to build heading into a big game? It takes me back. I think I liken this to the Western Kentucky game where Ryan Day was talking after that game. Part of the reason we saw the offense get going like that is we got to start building momentum. We know who our guys now are. We got to start building momentum heading into this top 10 opponent next week. I think the same approach needs to be applied there. They tried to get started fast against Maryland, and it didn't work. It needs to go. I, I, I want to see – they need to score at least 20 points in the first half for me, personally, because I, I need to see this offense get – I, I have all faith in this defense and not letting Purdue do much of anything. I need to see this offense start fast and never really take its foot off the gas because they need to start building momentum heading into, once again, another top 10, potentially top five opponent, depending on how some other things go this weekend. I agree with this being a big week for the coaches, just because of what you said before. But I also think that we talked before about how this schedule is sort of syncing up in a weird way. And this could be a similar progression. You know, I thought they were a little bit sluggish in some ways against both Indiana and Western Kentucky. And there were some things, the quarterback dynamic at that point probably played a little bit into that, that it was harder to get an offensive rhythm, et cetera. But then they lit it up against Western Kentucky. That's a pretty similar level of program to what Purdue is, frankly, year in and year out right now. And that got them the momentum that they needed. I don't know, did it make the difference against Notre Dame? That arguable, you know, you, you had to win that game with some in some very specific ways against a very specific opponent. But at least it got you a more positive vibe going into that week. And I could see a similar thing sort of unfolding here that last week, I, they say they don't let the noise in, but what's what's the talk right now coming out of, of last week? It's that Ohio State didn't play very well in the first half of that game. Ohio State's offense, what's wrong? And, and are they motivated to come out and sort of prove some of those things? This is still, I don't think we're being naive to still be waiting for the point where this offense does do something else. And it may not come via this offensive line just figuring it out and having a breakthrough that then carries him through the rest of the year. That's where I think you're being naive if you're expecting that. But I think that through strategic decisions and just some tweaks like that, I think they can find they can unlock something in this offense, whether it happens this week or not. But I'm I'm, I'm just I'm always on um, alert for the week that that happens at this point. Nathan, after the Western Kentucky game, I thought you made a really intriguing point about Ohio State's this offensive line in general because I think we came into that game looking for reasons to believe it can get better. And then they pushed around the Western Kentucky team whose defense just wasn't very good. And you called it fool's gold. Purdue is 
allowing 4.29 yards per carry this year. And you're getting Travion Henderson back, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, is averaging 6.7 yards per carry. So basically, he's almost running for as much as Hudson Card is throwing for in the game. Let's just say Ohio State comes out and pushes Purdue around. Go to our YouTube channel, type in Buckeye Talk on YouTube, and go check out our outrageous predictions. Nathan and I both went with the run game for outrageous predictions. I'll let you guys go watch the video and see what those were. Let's just say our outrageous predictions come true. They push Purdue around for 60 minutes. Travion Henderson has 150-plus yards. Chip Trainum is running well. We even see stuff from Mayan Williams at some point. Maybe. Uh, we're not. Mayan Williams is clearly third, and he's they don't really give him the ball anymore. But the run game looks as crisp as it's looked all year. Is that fool's gold? Maybe. But I would say I've probably – maybe this isn't fair. I look at it different now. I, just, I think it is fair because your perspective changes the more information you get. When you actually look at the numbers for Purdue, it's it, it gets worse because <laughs> when you adjust for sack yardage, it pops it up over like five yards per carry. When there's a site called College Football Nerds that I've been checking out more recently that does a lot of relative performance data. So like what a team does – versus what it would be expected to do against the average team. Purdue on run defense there is like barely in the top 50. So they're not an abomination, but it's a team that Ohio State should be able to run the ball on. I think now what I would have considered fool's gold, maybe because of these circumstances, I think it was fool's gold in that it didn't tell us that this offense was getting better against a real opponent. But I don't discount the value of having a positive game at this point for this offensive line, for this running game, for these running backs. Like having a bounce back week after not really running the ball very well at Maryland. Like I think they ran the ball 26 times against Maryland, the top, the two running backs anyway, taking out jet sweeps, taking out McCord scrambles. So Tranum and Williams, I think it was 26 carries. I think 11 of those went for two, one, zero, or negative yards. And then there was like another five that went for three yards. So 16 of the 26 went for three or fewer yards. So it wasn't that they're like losing yards. It's not like they're getting blown back. It's just like there's nothing there. There's no push at all. And I think they need to see the push. We got a texter question about, is it possible that as much as they talk about good on good and making the practices be harder than the games, is this D-line so good that it's, could be hurting the development of this offensive line that clearly needs see something good and and like get some confidence and some momentum. I mm. see where they're coming from with that question. I don't know that I I don't know that I believe the premise, and I don't know that the texture is easier. I think they were just bringing up a, 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 a an interesting question. But I think that there's probably value to this offensive line having a good week of practice, which Justin Fry seemed to think that they were like getting some things done this week, and applying that to a game seeing it go well, being able to come in on Monday and say, okay, but here's why here's why that was good, but here's why it's still not good enough. Let's go take it to another level. And then that's how you have a, a step forward. I think if you come out of Saturday and people are still looking around like, what, what are we talking about here? Two yards of carry, three yards of carry, and that's almost your maximum on three quarters of your rush attempts. Man, that is just going to cast a cloud over – going into that Penn State game. And they don't have any way through that regardless. I mean, they, they still have to have another great week of preparation to to be able to run the ball well against Penn State um, if that's what they choose to try to do. I am still kind of wonder if they'll Georgia it up that game. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like there is a value. Yes, it might be fool's goal. Like if they go out, like I my, my outrageous prediction was 250 rushing yards because I don't think Purdue is all that great on the ground. And it could be conditions that favor Ohio State running the ball. But so the, 
running for 250 yards or 300 yards against Purdue doesn't necessarily tell me what Ohio State can do against Penn State. But I think it might help them run the ball better against Penn State from a mental standpoint at this at this juncture. So, Andrew, do you want to put a number on it? What's a good day running the ball for Ohio State against Purdue? For the for the combination of Travion Henderson and Chip Train, I want to make that. If we combine their numbers on Saturday, what's a good number? What's a number? What's the threshold? Six. I think six would be a really good number to strive for. You know, if you can get six, I mean, you're, you're not facing super high level of opponent. So I think six is a good number to kind of get yourself a little bit on track. Think of it like basketball. You got to sometimes, like Nathan was just kind of saying and, and alluding to it, that texture question, like sometimes you got to see the ball go through the hoop. And sometimes getting six yards of carry, I think, could give you some confidence. And sometimes, you know, that could really benefit you. And I, I think six would be a good number to shoot for because if you can get six yards of carry, I mean, we've talked about the weather a little bit. The weather might not be ideal for throwing the ball. You know, you might be able to stack some boxes a little bit more. You know, that it would just indicate to me that either, you know, they fought through the weather and did what they had to do against some stacked boxes, or they just ran their normal offense because the weather's fine and they just figured out the run game, which they haven't been able to figure out against one really good team and one or a bunch of other kind of fairly anywhere from below average to just downright bad teams. So, you know, I, I think that six would be the number that I'd be shooting for. I don't know if I'd go all the way to six. It's got to be north of five, though, I think. It, with with all the other tools in this offense, if you're not averaging five yards a carry against the Purdue's of the world, then how much are you giving up in every other play? Like, your expected return on investment is really off at that point. And I know that there are people in this program, well, the most important people in this program, Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, they're basically being asked this week, do you think you need to just throw the ball more? And, you know, Brian Hartline yesterday was asked that directly. And this is the this is the receiver's coach. So if there's anybody in that building other than Steven who is going to say, yes, God, please throw the ball more, it would be the receiver's coach, right? And he's like, no, I, I don't think that helps us run the ball. I understand he's not dismissing the premise of the question. I don't think – I think he understands – what people are getting at there, the concept of throwing the ball to open up the pass. I think it hits at the crux of the problem right now, which is that they don't think it is play calling. They don't think it is schematic. They don't think it's strategic. That is the true problem here. They think they have something called that can be blocked and can be executed. And it just isn't being done fundamentally well enough. And that's both a, potentially positive sign if 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 the offensive line makes progress it's also a potential catastrophe if you get halfway through a season and you now you have to play a defense as good as Penn State's and you are having still just that many fundamental letdowns so that's again I, another indication of if they run the ball well against Purdue I want to respect Purdue enough to say it would have to at least be a pi- a byproduct of Ohio State making some fundamental strides that can then be the kind of platform to maybe the kind of rushing performance that they would have to have against Penn State. Hartline definitely took the mature approach because he's done that a couple of times when we've asked him versions of why don't we just do more stuff that caters to the pass game, whether it was me back in the spring asking why don't you do more four wide receiver stuff or on Wednesday evening he's getting asked about throwing it 10 more times a game. I think he's consistently taking the more mature route to that. I asked you guys the number. I'm with you, Nathan. It needs to be over five. But I think the more important thing is when you're watching this game, are there holes? Because I didn't think Chip Trainum had a bad day. 
against Maryland. I just thought there was no hole. He he patiently waited for holes to open. They're just they weren't there the way they needed to be. And as we I've mentioned this on Podge previously this week, Travion Henderson. If you take out runs where he's just being Travion Henderson and being this explosive running back, his run stats aren't that great either. And it's because there's there hasn't been the holes there for them to hit. So I I want to see the execution of it. And I do think that they want to put it less on the scheme and on the and to say it's a lot of coaching. I think it's all three of these things right now. It's clearly the personnel. Maybe it's better. Maybe it does. But these are the guys they're going to roll with. Nothing is going to change in the starting unit. So how do you scheme around that? How do you coach it better? And is it enough where they can be at bare minimum five, five and a half yards per carry with the understanding that every so often when you're starting running back might pop something that makes a lot of this other stuff a little better. If it's consistently Travion is in the five and a half yards per carry range, but then he's popping 40 yarders and 50 yarders every so often that gets him above the six yards per carry. I think that's fine. That allows him to do some of the other stuff they want to do in the passing game because the run game is at least competent. And I think through five weeks so far, it hasn't necessarily been competent. I think that's a fair way to put it. I think they just have to raise the floor. I don't think we, we yeah. can't look at it in terms of ceiling. I think, and, and, and I don't, I'm not even talking about raising the floor against Purdue. This is all still a, a two-day or two-week, uh, whatever it is, a mm-hmm. nine-day exercise that we're in, right? It's like the nine-day window mm-hmm. for picking the game kickoffs or whatever. Uh, it's it's If you take a week where they went 20 of 26 carries for three or fewer yards against Maryland, and you turn that into 20 of 26 carries for three or more yards against Penn State, that's probably a win, mm-hmm. right? Like if you, if you yeah. can – if you can avoid, like, give Penn State some credit. They're going to stop you sometimes. Or it's a good front. But, like, if you can take it to where now you are not putting yourself in as many second and third and eight and nines as you were against Maryland, it, it really changes the complexion of the game. Getting four yards on first down compared to getting one or two yards on first down is kind of an eternity in, in some situations against a good defense because it just it takes it puts so many more options in your in your gun for that second down play. And as much as we want to see Ohio State throw the ball more, and yes, I'm putting myself in that category, I do think they probably need to be more um, liberal with that. Uh, I would, I also still always come back to the element of surprise, the element of unpredictability being so essential and so valuable. And that's why I think like getting into more second and fives after running the ball on first down could really be a thing that gets this that might be the ignition button a little bit for this offense one more thing i want to touch on before we bring tissue into this how much are we actually expecting the weather to impact the passing game because it's not going to be the windstorm that it was in evanston last year where they genuinely could not throw the ball so cj had to start running do we think they're still going to be able to execute to some degree here and throw the ball down the field they might not do it as often but do we think it's the weather's going to be that bad that it impacts what they want to do down the field in the passing game what is the forecast you have in front of you i do 10 to 20 mile an hour winds 50 percent chance of rain so enough enough to hamper it but not enough to bring it to a screeching halt i think i think that that's the best way to say that and listen, I, oh, in terms of the overall balance of the game, I don't think that necessarily yeah. – as as much as Ohio State is a passing threat primarily, I don't think making Purdue one-dimensional with the um, with the elements helps Purdue. I think, they, I think they need to be able to throw yeah. the ball too if they have any chance of winning this game. There's, I, there's a reason why Hudson Card was the first name that you mentioned uh 
as far as talking about Purdue, right? <laughs> that is very that is very true. One more thing. I, I think that brings up an important point, though, Nathan, because if you're going to make a complaint about Ohio State's defense, it's been the run defense up the middle. And I think that's more of a linebacker question than it is a defensive tackle question right now, especially when you go back and watch the game. I think the defensive tackles are doing their jobs and taking up double teams. There's just tackles not being made. Is this a a bounce back after two straight games for Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers where they haven't been there at their best against Notre Dame and against Maryland, but also Cody Simon potentially playing more? Can this be a bit of a bounce back game for Ohio State's linebackers at a time where they probably need it headed into a, Purdue, a Penn State game the following week that does have a pretty stout running attack? I think it can be. I don't think that this offense, this Purdue offense, is quite as dynamic and would probably give any defense uh, cause it quite as much confusion even as what the things they had to account for with Maryland last week. This is not a program, a Purdue program, that's kind of been known for running the ball. They've got a guy named Devin Mockaby who has been like their he's kind of their workhorse guy. He's a he's a fun story. Isn't he the guy that was like a freshman last year, walk on and had a big game against Illinois and like the first thing Ryan Walters did when he got the head coaching job was yeah. give him a scholarship. I think that was Devin Mockaby, um, if I remember right. They have another guy, Tyrone Tracy, but I'm pretty sure he just got hurt. I don't think he's available. Uh Mockaby's averaging like four yards a carry. Like it's it's not a it's this isn't a team that should be able to come out and push Ohio State around up front by any means. So I think it is an opportunity. And I'm I'm curious that this is an adjustment that the defense is having to make, right? Like we talked before, just a couple weeks ago, the whole story was well, they've changed what they're doing with the linebackers. Tommy Eichenberg isn't on the attack as much anymore. And that's what's made this defense better. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, why isn't Tommy Eichenberg doing this much? It's like, well, he's they're making him change kind of on the fly the way that he plays defense a little bit. Um, it's it's taking him away from the thing that he thrived in the most last year. It it you know, there's probably a reason why we had never seen Tommy Eichenberg play as well as he did last year when Jim Knowles using him in that way. And it might just be that that's the best way to use him, and using him in a nif- different caliber, different way, isn't as um, impressive. But I don't think that means that at the end of the day, as long as the defense overall is better, who cares? Like, if you're an Ohio State fan, right? Like, that's a trade-off you're going to take, right? Tommy Eichenberg doesn't get to be an All-American this year. That's unfortunate, maybe. But your defense is now, like, one of the 10 or 15 best in the country. Like, who wouldn't take that trade? And it's not like his production is down. He's still amongst the the team leaders and linebackers this year. His situation... Reminds me very much of Jordan Fuller 2018 to Jordan Fuller 2019. In 2018, Jordan Fuller was leading this team in tackles. And it's like, oh, that's great. But also, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> He's, that just means he was getting to the second level and he had to do more than he should have been having to do in that year. And then in 2019, his production was still there. But all the pieces around him were that much better, whether it was Chase Young, whether it was Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, Malik Harrison. You can keep going, going down. Damon Hamilton. Everybody else was so much better that even if Jordan Fuller was doing the exact same thing he was doing a year ago in terms of level of play, it didn't stand out as much. And I think that's what's happening with Tommy Eichenberg right now. He was the eraser. He just wasn't worn down to the nub the way he was in 2018. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good point to put it. Andrew, any thoughts? Linebacker play, is this like a bounce back game for them or kind of a get right game? Maybe that's a better way to put it. Yeah, I think it could be. I think it's it's a little bit like I said with the offensive line. Sometimes you just got to see the ball go in the hoop. And I mean, we talked about the the Notre Dame game with 
with the linebackers. That was kind of one of those games where we saw it and then Steele kind of confirmed it when we talked to him. It's like, you know, our eyes were all over the place. We weren't what we were, we weren't doing what we were supposed to do. You know, you know, I, I, I looked at that game as, you know, you know what, you're playing a good team. They're throwing a lot of different things at you. You know, it's not like one of those things where you're playing uh, an opposing offense that, you know, they do one thing. Like you actually had to be worried about the run and the pass when you played Notre Dame. So I, I was maybe a little bit more forgiving about that. I'm not going to say that they played well, but I, I understood kind of why that they were in limbo for a little bit and why there were some, you know, maybe miscommunications early on in that game. Um, yeah, I think that this is just a get-right game in the way that building confidence going into Penn State would be big and, and kind of just feeling good about yourself going into next week's game is, is probably paramount here. So once again, I'm kicking Nathan and Andrew off the pod, and I'll bring in Tissue, and we'll talk about some best bets heading into Ohio State's game with Purdue. And then after that, I'll bring those two back, and we'll give our game picks when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. And we're back here on Buckeye Talk. I'm joined by Tissue, Nathan, and Andrew. They went somewhere. They'll be back. Don't worry about them. They'll be all right. Tissue, I want to get straight into this line because depending on where you're looking, your line for the Ohio State-Purdue game is anywhere from two to three points higher for Ohio State being a favorite in that, what is your line? And also, how did you how do you come to that conclusion? Yeah, so I, I project Ohio State minus 21. Um, now, I do know where they're expecting uh, potentially some weather for this game. So, you know, my numbers don't take that into account. So mm-hmm. caveat there. But Ohio State's back to being my number one defense. Ohio State and Michigan just keep jumping each other back and forth for, for being number one in my uh, defensive ratings. Ohio State's offense is 15th. But on the other side, you got Purdue, who's 48th on offense and 71st mm-hmm. on defense. And they're kind of battling some injuries, uh, most notably to quarterback Hudson Card. So I like Ohio State here. I, I mean, I know there's a lot been made about past trips to West Lafayette, you know, in particular the, the Rondale Moore game in 2018. But the thing that all of those upsets have in common is Purdue had some NFL mm-hmm. talent that just really showed out. And I don't think this year's Purdue team has that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as an Ohio State fan, like I'm kind of taking a, a sigh of relief there, knowing that they, I, I just don't think Purdue has the horses here. And again, when you factor in Ohio State's defense being as good as it is, I just I don't know how Purdue's going to put points on the board with with their offense. We, saw, we said your line is 21.2 as Ohio State being the favorite in that situation. Yeah. You, we, we mentioned that as well on this pod, the fact that there is no Rondell Moore out there, so Ohio State may be able to – it's played with his food. It's felt like at times this year they might be able to do that and not have to necessarily pay for that. Getting into some best bets here, there's a potential chance that Emeka Apuka does not play on Saturday. We'll know that for sure when the availability report comes out on Saturday. But how is that impacting the way people should maybe be betting some other skill positions for Ohio State? Honestly, there wasn't a ton that I liked this week. Again, factoring in potential weather impacts here. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points. So, again, I hate to give out the the under because I know that's boring to to bet. But if I did have to, to make a play, I think I would lean to the under. But I, I think as far as the best bet goes, I think the Purdue team total under 14 and a half. I like that. I, I don't see – I mean – my gosh, Ohio State held Notre Dame to 14 points. I don't know how Purdue's going to put up more than 14 <laughs> on them, you know, especially when you factor in the weather. So I like the Purdue team total under. And I, you know, you mentioned uh, Mecca Buka probably not playing. I think that opens up, you know, I, I, I know that X is probably going to get a lot of those snaps, but I think it's going to open up more Cade Stover this week. 
So I'm going to go Cade Stover over 37 and a half receiving yards as well. You know, it's interesting. There was a time in Ohio State history, very recent history, where I would have looked at you like you were crazy for saying that any tight end was going to get over 36 yards receiving in a game. And now it just feels like that feels like stealing money. Almost, even if a Mecca Buka was playing. Well, and the the crazy thing is, not only you're right. In in years past, it'd be like, yeah, okay, an Ohio State tight end is going to have 37 receiving yards. But when I looked at this, the first thing I thought was, I mean, could he get that on one play? I think he could get that on mm-hmm. one play. So, you know, it's not necessarily that he's got to have a bunch of catches to to get there, as he showed last week. Like he's capable of getting some yards after the catch. So I, you know, if he gets between three and five catches, I just I don't see any way he's not going to go over 37 and a half yards. He's had catches in four or five games, and his longest catch in three of those four games has been at least 40 yards. So to your point, yeah, he might just get that all in one explosive play. Anything else that fans should be looking into as potential best bets before we get into maybe some things around the country? Uh, not, nothing else on this game. I've got a couple of national bets here that I like, mm-hmm. but no, nothing else on this game. Like you said, this this um, – what I, is what I think is going to be a low scoring game. So not a, not a ton from a, a betting, you know, it, nothing fun anyway. I, I could give out a bunch of under stuff, but that, that's no fun. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. It's, this will be fun a week from now, guys. We'll be. I feel like it's deja vu to right before the Notre Dame game where it's like, hey, man, just wait one more week and it'll get interesting. Anything around the country, people should be keeping their eyes on it. I think it's a decent week for college football. Yeah, uh, I mean, mo- most notably Washington, Oregon this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I like the under sixty-seven in that game. I know that's one of those those games where you think of those two teams as like, oh, well, they're you know kind of finesse, pass heavy, going to score a bunch of points. But uh, I project that to go under uh, pretty pretty comfortably. So I'm going to play the under sixty-seven there. And then I also Virginia Tech is a team that you know I've kind of bet against quite a bit. I have a season win total under on them. But I like them this week, uh, minus one and a half against Wake Forest, who is in a really bad spot here because Wake Forest played Clemson last week, which is like their Super Bowl. Played them really tough. It was only a four or five point game. I think it was 17 to 12 was the final. So they played a really hard fought game against Clemson last week and now has to turn around and play Virginia Tech, who doesn't really excite anyone. Uh, So I I think Virginia Tech's in a good spot here. I'm going to lay the one and a half with with the Hokies. We're five games in with this Ohio State offense and regardless of whether we're looking at the TSI index or we're looking at literally anybody else, if you'd have thought what would have been rated higher coming into the year for Ohio State, it would have been the offense. And I think we're entering a window where the benefit of the doubt is maybe being questioned a little bit. How has that play affected your rankings and how you're viewing Ohio State's offense? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has. And I think I think I said on on this podcast in the preseason that, you know, I had the offense number one coming into the season. I had the defense, I think, somewhere in the, the high teens. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, I expect this defensive rating to climb. And if that does, I think that's going to raise Ohio State's ceiling as a team. What I hadn't really accounted for, though, is the offense being what it's been. like. I mean, they've only scored what they've only scored over 30 in what one game. They've had over 30 like, multiples. They've had over 40 points once, oh, and that was against right, Western okay. Kentucky with 66. Other than That's that, right, they've been living 40. in the 30s. Yeah, I mean, for for a team that you expect to average in the 40s, you know what, what we've kind of grown accustomed to, I just did not see this much of a dip coming offensively. I mean, we knew last year they couldn't really run the ball, yet they insisted on doing it. We're kind of back to that same thing now. We're like, I know Ryan Day says, you know, we're not going to bang our heads against the wall, but like, 
this is now a year and a half of them just banging their heads on the wall. And I, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I'm kind of with, with you guys. I know you, you in particular have been like, let's just go air raid. I'm, I'm all for it. Go air raid. You know, I say that jokingly, throw the ball more to open up the run. I feel like they're, they're kind of doing it backwards. And again, I, I don't know more about football than Ryan day. I'm not pretending to, but to me, it would seem like if you would throw the ball first and soften the defense, you'd be able to to get your yards per carry above, you know, two and a half for a game. So I, I, I am frustrated with that. My ratings reflect that. And, you know, I, I do think if they want to win a national championship, they've got to get the offense figured out. And it's going to be so frustrating as a fan if they don't, because this year is so wide open that it's like if you had your average Ohio State offense from the last five years with this defense, you would win the national championship. So I, I hope they get it figured out. Uh, it's It's been frustrating and will continue to be frustrating to watch if they if they can't get that side figured out. I'm going to buy a shirt. And on that shirt, you know, they have the RTDB. I'm going to put PTDB. Pastor, you know what, Paul. That's, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to coin that right now. One last thing. Your top 10 right now, TSI rank index, Oklahoma, Oregon, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Texas, Washington, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Duke. What's been the most surprising team amongst that top 10? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you said it. Duke and Alabama are actually tied at, at yeah. a 17.9 rating. So I've mm-hmm. got like a, a top 11 here. But yeah, I mean, Duke obviously is the one that, that jumps off the off the page at you there. Um, I mean, they've played well. They mm-hmm. probably should have won against Notre Dame. You know, they beat Clemson down in week one. They've looked really good. I, I'm curious. They play NC State this week. NC State made a quarterback change last week. They benched Brennan Armstrong against Marshall. And the backup, he did have a few picks, but they put up 48 points on Marshall, who at one point this season was my number one group of five defense. So I'm I'm curious what what Duke's going to look like. Obviously, they're dealing with the injury to, to quarterback Riley Leonard, who kind of makes them go. So I would expect Duke to kind of come back to earth a little bit. But yeah, the, I mean, the first month of the season has been remarkable in terms of how Duke has has risen up my my ratings. Because honestly, I wasn't very high on them coming into the season. I was lower than the market coming into the season. So the fact they're up in my top ten now is is pretty remarkable. I, I thought that was just it's just you know I'm like. Tishu, did you start doing basketball? I was like, wait, no, no, this is this is football. Duke's just really good this year. I just thought that was interesting to th- to see. Once again, thank you, Tishu, for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Listen, man, go check out the TSI index. It's smarter than us, basically, is how I like to put it. You learn a smarter lot from than me that. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the person who is putting it together, ladies and gentlemen. So if he's going to say that, listen, it's definitely going to help you guys out as well. When we come back here from the break, Nathan, myself, and Andrew will give our game picks here on Buckeye Talk. And we're back on Buckeye Talk, and it's time for our game picks. Ohio State playing Purdue at Purdue at 12 o'clock noon on Peacock, not on normal television. First time in a while, I think since the 90s, since Ohio State hasn't been on cable television. The game will be on Peacock streaming. Andrew, we'll start with you. The line right now is Ohio State is favored by 19, with the over-under being 15 and a half. Mr. Gillis, what's your game pick? So I'm going to give my reasoning first, and then I'm going to give the score at the end because I want no, 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 no. Give the score first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ohio State 30, Purdue 21. This game is going to be closer than people want it to be and closer than people think. 
And the reason that I wanted to give my reasonings first was because I didn't want anybody to go and just start freaking out and say that I'm an, I'm an idiot or something like that, which you They're might do say anyway. that anyway. Was, so. Yeah. So there's there's a couple different things that I looked at for this game that really just signal to me that this is a letdown spot. Whatever you want to value this at, you could value it a lot, a little, or just think it's an interesting footnote. Honestly, it doesn't play well at ross Aid Stadium. But you could, again, I, I just kind of lean footnote. I don't really think it's a super big deal, but they don't historically play well there. And you're going into a game where it's a noon game on the road. It's a sleepy start. I just, I look at, the, you know, you heard uh, Penn State last week with James Franklin. They talked about how they weren't playing music at practice because they had to get ready for the environment of Northwestern. Like, Purdue is closer to Northwestern in terms of environment than it is Camp Randall and then it is Happy Valley and Ohio Stadium and all these other great venues. Like the Notre Dame game was a great venue. You hear about players talk all the time. I actually kind of like playing on the road because you can feed off of the energy. There's not as much energy to feed off of when you're playing a game at Ross-Aid Stadium in West Lafayette. Again, all due respect to the Boilermakers, it's just not a house of horror for other teams. So I, I just I think it's I think it's got all the makings of a sleepy game. The weather's not going to be ideal. We talked about that. You're not going to have a Mecca Buka probably. That's going to be something that you have to work through. The run game has been a problem, and if the weather's bad, you're going to have to work through that. And let's say they do run the ball really well, like both of you guys are kind of saying that they will. That also burns the clock a little bit. That also lends itself to a closer game because Ohio State has played five games this year. and Three of these teams have pretty much exclusively came into the game and said, we're going to run the ball. That's what we're going to do. One of them, Notre Dame, thought that they could run the ball to win the game, which they almost did. And, and that was their goal was that we can run to win. Indiana and Youngstown State said, we're going to run the ball so the game ends as quickly as possible. But in those games, Ohio State scored 23, 35, and 17 points. Like the score can stay down if if a team is able to, even if you don't run the ball super effectively, the score can stay down. You got Penn State next week. That's a big letdown spot. And personally, you mentioned the line. The line is is nineteen. This reeks to me. Like, and you know, if you're if you're a gambler, you know, you steer into the stink, and this stinks because Ohio State is the fa- is the same amount of favorite as they were against Maryland last week. It's the same line. The line last week against Maryland was anywhere from 19 to 20, and that's what this Purdue line is, and the over-under is down from to 50 and a half. So basically, what is what are they saying? That this game is going to be 35-14, 34-17? Like the, this is kind of what they're predicting. They're not saying that Vegas, notoriously smart, doesn't think that Ohio State's going to walk in there and win 52-7. to seven. Like the, They don't think that this game is going to be that. So... I'm going to say 30 to 21. I think Purdue is never going to have a chance of winning this game. It's going to be a little bit like the Maryland game where we're just sitting up there going, wow, Ohio State's really not playing that well. What are they, you know, uh, well, Purdue, you know, they don't have a shot of winning, but Ohio State's just not playing their A game. They might not even be playing their B game. I just think that this is a game where you get through, you burn the tape, you say, we'll never speak of this again. Now it's time to focus on Penn State. And fortunately for a lot of people, this game is on Peacock, so it's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, does it make a sound? It's like if Ohio State plays like crap against Purdue and nobody sees it, does anybody really see it? Like, can anybody really talk about it? So, yeah, Ohio State's not going to play that well. They're going to win by single digits, and we're just basically going to say, wow, that was a mess, but now it's time to focus on Penn State. 
I can't wait till these streaming numbers come out like next Monday oh, or I'm Tuesday. Fascinated. Just so we can, just so he it can prove you wrong in the nobody saw it conversation because I'm pretty sure I think a lot of people are going to see. Oh, this. Ohio State fans are going to yeah, Ohio State fans are going to do it. I just don't think they're going to be happy about it. So Andrew taking Purdue plus nineteen, but the over by literally half a point. He's taking the over. That's that's flirting with it, man. I'm going to go Ohio State thirty-eight to nine. I think this game might play out very similar. To the, to the Ohio State-Maryland game, except Ohio State is not going to give Purdue an opportunity to be in plus position, field position to start the game so they score a touchdown. And then maybe Ohio State's defense comes out the second half and isn't sleepwalking through the first drive so Maryland gets to go down there and score a touchdown. But you take those two, two things away, Maryland scored three points the rest of the game. I think the weather will have a little bit of an impact on Ohio State's ability to be explosive in the past game. I think this is a week where – Ryan Day might try to force it with the run game and see if they can get some run, some holes open for Travion Henderson and chip train them and get things going there. But I also just think that Ohio State might do is do its work early and then try to get out of here so they can put their focus into the Penn State week. Because I think if they score 28 points in the first half, maybe they get 10 in the second half, and then they just kind of call it a day from there and run that clock out so they can get to the Penn State game. So it's a combination of – I have only seen this offense score 40 points once, and it was against Western Kentucky, who is not known for their defense. And it's a combination of the weather maybe preventing them from being as explosive as they want to be, but then also Ryan Day, Justin Fry, Brian Hartline really trying to get this run game going, especially since you've got your lead dog back there in Travion Henderson. So that's me taking Ohio State to cover, but I'm also taking the under, which Ohio State has kind of lived at this season. Nathan? What's your game score? I really tried to get to an under. I couldn't quite get there with this one. I'm going 38-16, which may mean that you and I are sitting next to each other just waiting to see if Purdue gets kind of a backdoor cover late in this game uh, there in the fourth quarter. I mean, we'll be doing other work too. But uh, listen, I'm not that worried about Ohio State's history in West Lafayette. There's only two guys on this Mm -hmm. roster who were around for that game in 2018. It's Matt Jones and Josh Proctor. And yeah, they play now, but they didn't play then, and they weren't the reason why that that loss happened. Mm -hmm. And and having some familiarity with the history of that series, you know, I was covering the other team in 2018. I was around for one of the other losses uh, prior to that, the one where Ryan Kerrigan kind of came in. And, And it was cases where there were some Ohio State teams that had some some flaws that could be exposed and house and Purdue had the NFL talent to do it. That was especially true of 2018. Like Rondell Moore was uh, just kind of unreal that night. There ain't no Rondell Moore on this Purdue roster this year. And I think Purdue is a little bit better than its record. Um, but I don't think that it is going to be able to offensively challenge Ohio state. Like I, I, I am seeing too much from this defense and especially relative to what I think Purdue can put on the field in terms of efficiency and in terms of being able to reach and get the kind of explosive plays that it would take. Now, obviously, the weather can be an equalizer. Playing on the road can sometimes be an equalizer. There was something special that happened in that stadium in 2018, though, that had that superseded football a little bit, and that, that isn't really on the plate from what anyone can tell this year either. So I'm taking 38 to 16. That would be a cover. That would be an over. And I think it's for Ohio State, it's really more about just seeing some fundamental progressions and a step towards being able to do what they did against Notre Dame, which is just get through that Penn State game, finding a way to win in in some fashion. That one is definitely going to be four quarters and tight, and uh, it's going to take probably their best performance this year. 
So Nathan taking Ohio State to cover plus the over. I think we were in that position last week, too, where our, our scores were pretty similar. And it came down to you – know, it literally came down to the last drive, I, I believe. And Nathan ends up getting it, and I don't. But uh, No, I got a sweet, sweet push. Yeah. Because was... we picked it when it was still 20. So it was That's 37 true. I got true. a sweet, sweet push, but I did get the under. That's true. That's true. So let's see if Nathan can have a repeat performance of that this week, or maybe I will be right, or maybe Andrew will be right, and we'll be having a very different conversation on the postgame pod because Ohio State only beat Purdue by nine. But those are our game picks for Ohio State's context against Purdue on Saturday at noon on Peacock. So I want to end with this because, Andrew, you didn't even work for Cleveland.com the last time Ohio State went to West Lafayette. That's the last game I didn't cover. Because I had, I think I started the Monday after the Purdue game because my first game covering was the Nebraska game. Nathan, you were there, but also I don't know if our listeners know this or not. But um, you used to cover Purdue. I don't know. If that's maybe <laughs> shocking that news to people. <laughs> yes, yeah, maybe shocking news to people. And you're headed back for the first time. You're headed back to Purdue. Any any memories? Anything you want to share or get any advice you want to give to Andrew and I about covering a game at Ross Stadium? Any memories of the like 13 years that I lived in Tippecanoe County? Yeah, I've got a few <laughs> memories. Met my wife there, got married there, um, covered some football and basketball games there. Uh, it's uh, for, I guess, for people who are visiting, and since it's been a while, so I haven't been to West Lafayette, Lafayette, that area much at all since I started working here. So Ohio State hasn't played there. I did go back there and get married during the pandemic, uh, had to pick up a marriage license before that that was it that's two times i think in however long have i been here five years so some things may have changed um but i would say uh it's a it's a it, for people who haven't been there before like the campus side of things the west lafayette side of things is more like college bars and stuff like that and then over on the east side of town is typically where you're going to find you know, if you need, if you're looking for restaurants and that sort of thing, which is fine because that's coming off the interstate anyways, you're heading back towards uh, Columbus. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I think that this weekend is probably, these were, these were always funner weekends because you're right, Stephen, like it's when you cover that program and especially when I covered that program, I got there, I was the beat writer only for one season, but I was helping more before that too. And it was the Daryl Hazel era where they won nine games in four years or whatever. And it just was not a fun game day atmosphere almost any week. And it getting a fan base like Ohio State to come to town kind of does invigorate things a little bit. Like in that 2018 game, it wasn't like we anybody expected that to happen that day. It was, they were only like a 12 point underdog. Um, I think that line might have been dropping over the course of the week, but it wasn't like people thought. I don't think that there was like an upset alert, but I do remember just being around the stadium that day. And it, and maybe it's something that you think in like retrospect, your, your brain matches it up. And, and maybe it just felt different that day. It was like a late afternoon game. Um, like, and it just had a different vibe that day because all the stuff that was going on with Tyler Trent, people don't remember the late uh, Purdue uh, student, and he had actually worked for the exponent, the student paper. So I'd met him a few times and um, had become like this sort of cancer advocate and become like sort of a, a 
sort of like a pseudo celebrity fan of the team. And they, you know, kind of rallied around him that day because he was going to be at the game. And um, it just sort of, it, it was one of those, I know Ohio State fans don't remember it well, and I'm not going to belabor this point. It was just one of those days that you, it makes you appreciate college sports. And it, it sucks. One of the first things I said when I got here, like it, it sucks for Ohio State fans that you're more often the ones that have to be on the receiving end of the special moments in sports. Because like it's when everyone when when David kills Goliath, like that's what people remember, and that's what people across the country kind of gravitate towards. When Ohio State beats Purdue, fifty-eight to thirty, whatever it was a couple years ago, people are just like, "What? Did that game happen?" Like it, you move right past it. So, um, I don't anticipate that happening this year, as I said by my score. But it's uh, so uh, for people who are coming into town, I would just say, um, um, well, where should they go? I know there's there's famous places out there like the Triple X Diner. People really get a kick out of that's like one of the more famous places. Go there and get a burger, get a root beer. That'll probably be pretty packed on game day. Um, there's a place called South Street Smokehouse. If you like barbecue, that's over on the Lafayette side that I'm a big fan of, but I, their hours have gotten kind of tight over the years, so check on that, see when they're actually going to be open if you're in town this weekend. And um, where else? Uh, um, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it now. There's a good steakhouse over right off the interstate. Um, Mountain Jacks. Mountain Jacks is a decent steakhouse I think people would like right off of I-65 on the east side. Um, so maybe check that out if that's the thing you're looking for. You're looking for a nicer place to eat this weekend, but, um, just a lot of options. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's not my favorite big 10 town. I think lived there for 13 years. I think you have more fun in other big 10 towns, but as you learned in 2018, the, the fun thing is when you get to leave with a win, if you're an Ohio state fan. So there you have it. Nathan got to talk about his experience at Purdue one last time. I know you guys love it. I love it. Actually, I, th- I thought it was helpful this time around. There have been other times where people are like, stop talking about Purdue. But I thought it was pretty helpful this time around to live it, to go down memory lane of something you haven't done for five well, years. And it was but- funny, too, because uh, Nathan and I un- uh, unknowingly actually covered the same game at Purdue in 2017. Uh, yeah. Ohio played at Purdue on a Friday night at Purdue. So I have also covered a game at Purdue. I think you're the only one who never has, actually, Stephen. Um, I have been to Purdue, though, because Ohio State, one of the the regionals in the NCAA tournament back in 2020 was at Purdue. We got the park literally right next to Ross-Ade Stadium and head over there. So I've been there. So we I know will not be parking right never... next to ross Aid Stadium for the football game. I can promise you yeah, that. Yeah. I've, heard, I've heard. I've heard that there's a golf cart shuttle that you have to get on. So all three of us will be on that golf court shuttle on Saturday, headed over to watch Ohio State face Purdue at noon at Peacock. So for Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis and for T-Shoe, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.